Hey, this is Matthew's Table podcast channel. We wanted to thank you for joining us today. Hope this inspires you, builds your faith, and reminds you of who you are, but more importantly, whose you are. All right. That's one way to get woke up. Is that right? All right. Good morning. I'm glad you are with us this morning. Um, I'm really excited about what uh, God's been doing, and uh, I just want to start by saying welcome to Matthew's table. Um, It's a little different this time. It means a whole lot more because this is now literally Matthew's table, right? There's some images up here that they're going to show you. Uh, That's us signing the deed to all of the property and assets here on 23rd and Allen Street. So when I say welcome to Matthew's table, now I mean welcome to Matthew's table. And God bless Buena Vista for their gift, their generosity, and who they are. But uh, this leads us to um, a good reason to kind of talk about and teach and preach on what I want to talk about this morning because uh, we had lunch with some of the amazing individuals who helped us with uh, this transfer and stuff the other day, and and one of them had even made the comment that we'd been actually questioned on why we did what we did. Like, why would you do that? Why would you gift something in that proportion to another church? Why wouldn't you sell it? Why This isn't making sense to us. So I want to make sense to that this morning. This morning I want to make sense of how this happened. And to do that, we have to go back to Christianity 101, where some of you are going to learn for the first time. Some of you are going to relearn something you've already taught and accepted to be true, but somewhere along the way, you've drifted away from that. And some of you are going to unlearn about the one thing that we're all supposed to have in common. This one thing that brings all of us here every Sunday morning. This one thing we would all profess and confess to be the one reason that we are who we are and we're doing what we're doing. And that one thing is faith. But the question is, what is faith, right? I can tell you that faith is my favorite thing to talk about, and the greatest lesson I believe a Christian needs to rightfully understand, because it's the one thing that allows you to experience God in a way you can't any other way. Faith. Trusting God. Relying on God. Faith is also what I would say... I'm most qualified to teach the church on, so you may want to hear me out this morning. So I'm going to introduce somewhat of the problem. Unfortunately, the church likes to operate in the same way our education system does based on our level of knowledge, maybe the degrees that someone has that qualifies them, right? But... Uh, which I'm not against, just to be clear. Education's important. We should grow in our knowledge, in our faith, in those things. But unless the course of the study is faith, that's where I start having a problem within the church. Because did you know that there is no course offered at any of your mainline seminaries in regards to faith? 
Like I literally got on their websites and looked this up. I have Bible doctrine books, many different ones, and I'm looking in there, and there are no lessons on faith in general. And I think it's because everybody just assumes they understand understands what that is. But I think it explains why I think so many folks in the church don't understand that there's a difference between claiming to be a Christian, which simply states that you're a person of a faith community. I'm a Christian, so that means I'm a part of a faith community. When in reality, it's supposed to be because of your faith, you are being a Christian. Because I'm trusting God, I'm doing things God would have me do, right? Two totally different things. Or I'll put it this way to help, to help you guys see the lesson, that, the lesson that I'm hoping to teach this morning. It's elementary. Uh, it's on my level. And uh, I always say uh, I like helping people see things that the Bible teaches so that you can truly get a grip around them. Uh, So it's elementary as it is. I've always used this illustration to be helpful when making the point that I'm not sure many Christians believe what they say they believe. Right? So here we go. If you and I were neighbors and we found ourselves going to get the mail at the same time and we happened to, hey, how's it going? We end up in the front yard having a little bit of uh, small talk and that small talk shifts towards my belief system regarding the fastest way to get to work and I'm trying to convince you that riding my bike is the fastest way So much so that I'm willing to bet my whole life on it, my whole future, but day after day as you get up drinking your coffee, you look out the window and you notice that I am not riding that bike. Would you believe that I believed that the bike was the fastest way to get to where we want to go? No, if you're honest, you'd question my beliefs, right? Like, I have no faith in the bike. I'm just telling you about a faith, right? So my desire is to see some of you guys graduate to a master's level of Christianity. It's kind of my illustration today, just so you make sense. Because so many Christians today are comfortable with their GED in Christianity, their entry level, which was trusting in the work that Christ had done on the cross. Therefore, they don't live, uh, they don't do anything else with their faith but that, right? Therefore, explaining the way they live their life for God. They may attend church every once in a while. They may watch a Christian movie, but they don't really live their lives as if they trust God. There's nothing wrong with GED Christianity. We're just not settling for that here because God has more for us, right? It doesn't stop there. It starts there. So I'm going to introduce, I'm going to kind of explain the difference between two kinds of Christians this morning. I kind of made one up, so I hope it works. But here it is. There's two kinds of Christians. There's storytellers and there's glory tellers. Storytellers are telling you stories from the Bible. 
Glory tellers are individuals who've trusted God in some radical way and experienced God in a personal way. So there's two different kinds of Christians, right? Storytellers can tell you all about Jonah and the whale, David and Goliath, and of course Daniel in the lion's den, right? They sing songs about it. We, they read kids' books and all of those things. Are good, but what they don't realize is those stories are intended to reveal who God is to you and what God is capable and able to do for you. His power, His faithfulness, His promise to be a way maker and a miracle worker. But the stories about God from storytellers feel as if He's a far off, ancient, prehistoric God who's dead. Because those same storytellers aren't living their lives in a similar way. Their translation is wrong. And I don't mean which version of the Bible they're using, but the fact that they aren't relying on God in any area of their own lives. The, there's a breakup in communication, right? And he wants you, he wants us to be a glory teller who's trusted him in radical ways where the only explanation could be was that God was responsible for the outcome because God demands and deserves all the glory in a believer's life. Not to mention that one fundamental, traditional, uh, what they would call a Christian principle that the majority of most Christians would agree on, no matter if they're Baptist or Methodist or anything else, is that the chief end of man is to glorify God. The purpose of you being created is to glorify God. God in everything you do. So this morning we're going to be working from two passages. It's, it's kind of different um, within the same chapter to get a better understanding of how we go from storyteller to glory teller, right? It's going to be in Hebrews chapter 11. It's going to be um, dealing with Abraham. You guys have probably heard about him as well. It's going to be the first story of Abraham condensed in eight verses, ten, or uh, eight through 10. And then another story about Abraham verses 17 through 19. I'm going to read them to you now. If you don't have your Bible, they should be up on the screen. By faith, by faith, what? By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise, where he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. And then you'll drop down to verses 17 through 19. By faith, what? By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promise was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able to even raise Isaac from the dead, from which Figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. That is the word of the Lord. Amen? Amen. 
And so in chapter 11 of Hebrews, the New Testament author is glory telling. He's recalling Abraham's story as well as many other believers from the Old Testament, what I like to call the Hall of Faith, not the Hall of Fame, the Hall of Faith. So we can see God's glory in all of their lives because the story always reveals the glory. Guys, do you have a story that reveals his glory? Did you know... God has the Old Testament authors recall the Exodus event where he delivered them out of slavery in Egypt 87 times. 87 times the Israelites recall and tell the story of God delivering the Israelites out of slavery. God told the Israelites, he commanded them to remember what he had done for them Because by recalling often the mighty works of God, we become willing to do similar things for God. Right? If I'm reminded of things that God has done in history, which by the way is his story, then I can begin to understand the glory of God and how that applies to me. So Father Abraham is a great example for us and most famous for his faith, trust, right? Are you trusting God this morning? So quickly what some of you might think, well, if he's the father of our faith and he must be a really important guy, he must have been a heck of a Christian, right? Well, for those of you who like to do fact-checking today, we're going to fact-check quickly so we can answer that question before we move on, right? He was an ordinary man living in a pagan culture, meaning there was no such thing as Christianity. Nobody even knew who the God of Israel was because he hadn't yet revealed himself to them. So they're living in a culture where they're worshiping other gods, and it's not Christian. And in between these two extraordinary accounts, verses 8 and 10, 17 through 19, Abraham, along the way, on his journey, obeying God, would disown his own wife and claim that she was his sister out of fear of being harmed by those that they encountered, making him a coward, right? Could you imagine going to confession on that one? Yeah, listen, priest, here's the deal. Uh, You know, last week we ended up in a rough neighborhood. I told him she was my sister, you know. Is that bad? Right? That's, that's a coward. Not to mention he disbelieved God about having the promised son mentioned in the scriptures, Isaac, by refusing to wait on God and slept with his maid because he was in his 90s to have a son because he was close to 100 years old. So he had his moments, guys. Right? He made his mistakes in his journey of faith. But where we can be encouraged from that is God wasn't concerned with Abraham's ability to be perfect. God was committed to the promise because God isn't like man to break promises. God doesn't lie and God cannot change his mind. He is a promise keeper and the only one worthy of all of the credit or glory from all of the stories found in the Bible. So my opinion is the church needs to stop only telling stories and start living for God's glory. Get your own story, Christian. 
We have too many fantasy faith ball players going on today. That's this thing where it's like it's a fantasy and you like, anyways. But anyway, the fantasy faith ball players are people who sit around and dream about being David slaying the giant. You know what I mean? Or, man, I wish one day I was Daniel and hung out in the lion's den and was, you know, do, do, do. No, you're not David and you're not Daniel. You're who God has created you to be so that you can glorify him. Faith isn't an association of a community of people. It's the application that initiates God to work in your life. God wants to do something big so that he gets the glory. Right? Question now is how? How do we, how do, we do this? Well, I'm glad you asked because... Uh, frankly, we need more glory tellers in a world who watches the church and don't believe we believe what we tell them to believe because we ain't believing on him ourselves, right? Like we, we're hanging around people and we're, we're sharing our struggles and they're like, you know, I didn't hear anything about where, where like this is something God's led you to just radically trust him to provide everything you need, right? Do you think they're going to believe what we believe? We ain't riding the bike. Two ways you, you become a glory teller. Two ways. One, obey and experience. Look at verse 8. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive. as, a, And he went out not knowing where he was going. Right? God's calling every one of us to trust him over everything else. Right? Yes, Abraham had the privilege of God literally calling him out, but nobody else heard that conversation. So it's not a good argument. Abraham talked with God. I'll give you that one. But he had to go back and tell his whole family about that conversation. Right? Here's what it must have looked like. Honey, uh, I'm home. God told me today that we're supposed to drop everything, leave our home, and go to some foreign place that doesn't even exist yet. Yeah, so go ahead and pack up uh, all the, the bone-chiseled forks and stuff and get your best camel skin dress and your collection of clay pots. I'm going to go ahead and head over and grab my nephew Lot, and then I'm probably going to run down to the local, literally, Lions Club and let all those guys know that this is what we're supposed to be, be doing because we head out tomorrow. They had to let go of everything they knew as normal. Can you imagine that conversation? Right? And they had to leave it all behind. And what many of us do is we sense that God is drawing us to something or there's a tug on our heart or we see a need but wait for all of the details before we move. We won't move forward because we don't see anything. Right? We don't see everything that is needed before we trust him fully. Or we'll worry how it might make us look rather than how it makes God look when he comes through. Failing to realize verses 9 and 10 say that we trust his promise because he is the, desi the designer and the builder. He designs the plan that you are clearly seeing and he builds everything necessary for you to live in or dwell in in that calling, in that plan. I love this uh, Francis Chan quote, probably 
more than most other quotes I've ever shared. It says, God doesn't call us to be comfortable. He calls us to trust him so completely that we are unafraid to put ourselves in situations where, he, where we will be in trouble if he doesn't come through. Let, let's just pretend for a moment that's scripture. It's not. Do you see other Christians living their lives that way? You know what I mean? That we would be in trouble if he doesn't come through. You might say, well, Roger, that's a little too radical, right? Like, I, I don't know if there's a lot of wisdom and encouraging stuff like that. Well, I say it's biblical, right? Typically, what people call radical is usually biblical. Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, for we walk by faith, not by sight. Christians walk by faith, not by sight, but we're always trying to peep out what's next that fits us best and makes most sense, right? Still not convinced, are you? Well, maybe Abraham was an exception, but that's not true because God's still speaking today through his word. I love what John Piper says. He says, if you want to hear God speak to you, read the word. If you want to hear God speak to you out loud, say the word out loud because he's speaking to you. Problem is, y'all are trusting in what I call your vision versus God's provision. All right? Now, your vision uh, for some of the older people like Pappy is simply your vision put in Roger's slang so that it's catchy and you guys think about it when you find yourselves trusting in yourself in the future. Your vision versus God's provision, right? And what things that we do are like looking for signs on. Facebook to confirm what you know he's already done told you to do. And I say heck with Facebook, get on Facebook and scroll through the scriptures to gain encouragement and hope so that we can do the things that we know God's calling us to because playing it safe all the time puts you in the storytelling category rather than the glory telling category. Never experiencing the living God in a personal way. Right? And of course, once you do, you respond, you decide to trust God and follow his lead. Then number two, obey and experience. Number two is take the test. You got to take the test. Verse 17, by faith, Abraham, when he was tested. God is testing some of you and you're refusing to take the test. Right? God gives tests so that you can graduate from GED Christianity to the next level of experience, right? I realize you could argue, well, you know, Roger, I just really wrestle with test anxiety. So when God gives me those tests, I just can't do it, right? Or, I, you know, Roger, I haven't heard him ask anything of me like he did Abraham. But y'all know that the teacher remains silent while the test is being taken. So that's not the issue. The issue is, you see the type of test God gives, like in our passage this morning, and you realize that kind of sacrifice and discomfort threatens your being ordinary, so you forfeit the extraordinary, right? I'm comfortable where I'm at here. Don't ask me to do much more, Lord, right? And what's important to understand is like school, where you're always tested on content that you've covered over a sequence of time, God gives tests differently. 
He has all the answers and gives them to us when we say yes to the test. So no worries, God's test isn't something you have to study for to have the right answers. God's test has to be taken to be given the answers. Besides, my experience has been if I have all the, te- all the answers for the test, it's called cheating. And Christians aren't supposed to cheat on tests. Right? Old Abraham responded to God's call on his life, experienced God in a supernatural way, trusting God to provide because he already passed a few of his other tests. But on this one verse 19, verse 19, it says that he was able to do so because he knew if God could bring him to life, he could bring him back to life. Abraham believed in the resurrection because his wife was incapable of having a child up until age 85 when the promised child was finally granted to his wife Sarah. So Abraham knew, look, God's calling me to take my son and sacrifice him, but I am confident only because if he can bring Isaac to life in a barren womb, he can raise Isaac from uh, an earthly tomb. He knew if he could bring him to life, he could bring him back to life, right? It's a no-fail guarantee when you trust God to do the things he's calling you to. This story in Hebrews chapter 11, being told leaves out the one cheat code from the original passage in Genesis 22, verses 1 through 14. That'd be your homework. You can go back and read that this afternoon. That every one of us need to overcome our test anxiety. Here's the cheat code. This is the one thing that Abraham had at that time that allowed him to do the things that he needed to do. Y'all ready? He knew who his banker was. It was his banker. Well, that doesn't make sense. Abraham claims the name of that place where he was supposed to sacrifice his son, but God intervened and stopped him, and he looks over, and there's a ram in the thicket that the Lord will provide. That's what he called it. The Lord will provide. In Hebrew, it's called, it's a name for God. It's called Jehovah Jireh. God provides. And the significance in that, better explained by its Latin root, like the origin of provide, is understanding that provide breaks down to pro and vide, vide, right? Pro, on behalf of, and vide, to see. God sees. So when you say, the Lord will provide, the Lord is seeing your needs and on behalf of you, giving you the things that you need to do the things he's called you to. In short, if you're brought to it, he will see you through it, right? Which means technically, this is me having a little bit of fun. Technically, this is the first bank ever recorded in human history, the bank and trust of Jehovah Jireh. And uh, this is a stretch here. Don't hold me to this one. Many Christians are bank robbers because they're going to worldly and earthly banks and getting money instead of trusting and going to God's bank and trusting him to provide all things. It's one of my favorite stories of my favorite pastor. There was a, an American 
a businessman back in uh, the 1800s who had heard about Charles Spurgeon and wanted to go over and see Spurgeon's ministry and all the things that he had going on. And one of the things, a part of that ministry was Spurgeon had recently started an orphanage, right? And the story goes like this. As they approached his or- orphanage, Spurgeon pointed out the window of the carriage and said, yonder is my bank where I get my money for taking care of my family of 500 children. Hatcher, the American business, businessman, looked, looked out but saw no bank. Spurgeon noticing that, he said, no, 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 there it is, said Spurgeon, pointing to a plaque. And the words on the plaque read, Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. That's my bank, said Spurgeon. It never breaks, it never suspends, it never gets empty. My children have never lacked for covering or for food, and I have no fear that they ever will. Because my Lord will provide. And when I make withdrawals, it comes from Jehovah Jireh. And that's why I'm offended by those who suggest that Abraham's God isn't my God. Because Hebrews 13, 8 says, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And that gives us a darn good reason to believe on God in the same way Abraham did. Amen? My God owns the bank. And the way you access his account is through faith. Not because of faith, but through faith. Once you obey, you take the test, you will receive your degree because you now know God in a bigger, different way. It's actually that simple, guys. It really is. We complicate it. Also, uh, a point to be made is notice that genuine biblical faith always builds on itself. Because of what Abraham had done, others trusted God in radical ways. And those stories reveal God's glory that inspire us. They're intended to inspire us to trust him in the same way. And those stories should never get old because they remind us of what God can do. Deuteronomy 4.9 Only... Be on your guard and diligently watch yourselves so that you don't forget the things your eyes have seen and so that they don't slip from your minds as long as you live. Teach them to your children and your grandchildren. In other words, if I'm teaching my children and my grandchildren, I'm recalling things that God has done for me and everyone else in front of me, right? That means we're to recall stories of faith to be reminded of who God is. So since we're on this topic, I know of a couple that will never get old to me and will always inspire me to trust God in ways that people would say, Roger, that's crazy. By faith. By faith. In 1920, 14 people in this area, it was not a neighborhood, by the way, got together and decided they would start a church. By faith, James LaFoe donated two plots of land for them to erect a church building. LaFoe Memorial Baptist Church started meeting on this property in tents until they had completed the basement as their sanctuary. LaFoe's name is still being mentioned a hundred years later. We're recalling this story because of his faith. 
It reminds me of another verse in that same chapter, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 4. By faith, Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain did, and even though he's dead, he still speaks through his faith. We might die, but people could, would talk about the faith that we had. Right? Our faith speaks from generation to generation in the church. Not long after that, they, they had begun to grow and decided that they would build a bigger sanctuary, y'all are sitting in it this morning, onto their existing spot. So they began to save money to do so. However, in 1931, the banks were wiped out by the Depression and they lost their $4,000 they'd saved. But they refused to give up and by faith, they decided they would start meeting are investing in bricks. Everybody was asked to bring a brick to church on Sunday. And they would store them up until they had enough bricks to build the sanctuary. For five years, they saved enough bricks and money to start the construction on the sanctuary. They had a vision for advancing the kingdom of God. They, by faith, were... Uh, was called by God and obeyed God and took the test, and this was a part of their test, advancing the kingdom of God on this very property. Now we have this very sanctuary, and this test was far greater than what they were capable of achieving in their own strength. And despite all the obstacles in faith that, that were carried out accomplishing that call, right? Like they met, the depression hit, lost all their money. What'd they do? Not, we're committed. We're trusting God. We're going to start bringing a brick ourselves, right? Thousands of those bricks are in these very same walls. I've always wondered, like, which ones. I thought it would be really cool if we could, like, paint those bricks. But imagine coming to church with a brick. That's the faith that I'm talking about. Not to mention the current members who've been so generous and faithful, trusting God, some for over 50 years. Right? One member said she's had six generations of family baptized in this sanctuary. Right? They were, they were even offered to sell this property at one point, but were determined to keep the original vision of the church by finding another body of believers to carry on the kingdom work at this location that by faith started with James LaFoe. Right? Buena Vista Baptist Church folks faithfully serving day in and day out, carrying on this legacy of faith, started to pray that God would raise up or bring to them another church to take over. At the same time, we were meeting at the Monday Center on Saturday nights to pray as a church that God would provide us a home. Meanwhile, by faith, Nick and Jonna Martin, Roger and Brittany Chilton, was sensing, this is the backstory that God was calling us to start a church in 2016. So, short story, we stepped out, we left our home church and all our friends and families against many others' wishes and recommendations with no plan, no money, no music team, no education, no preaching experience, no building, and even worse, no people. Say what, God? It made no sense. 
Do you want to know when, God, when you're sensing God calling you to something? It has to make no sense. That's the sense I'm talking about. And on May 7th of 2017, we started Matthew's Table with 20 to 30 people. Many people said this wouldn't last. I remember asking or letting this one pastor friend of mine know, and he said, well, you better have a lot of money. Otherwise, it ain't going to work. Because we, did, we didn't have any money, but that didn't stop us. Because honestly, we cared less about looking like your traditional church. We just wanted to reach people for Christ with no church politics and no denominational restrictions. Right? We were called. We obeyed God. Even when it seemed to not make sense, we took the test with the only thing that we had. That's a heart to see people come to Christ. And immediately we started growing quicker than we could keep up with and finding it more difficult to manage due to only having a home to work out of on Wednesday night for an hour and on Sunday mornings till 12 a.m. We were renting that facility as well. We got to a point where people were gladly standing up in the back and some sitting in the halls just to hear the gospel being shared on Sunday mornings, right? We started, and then so we started to look for buildings, right? Like that would be um, the only thing to make sense to us at the time. But all of them were all out of our budget. We really didn't have much of a budget. And the ones that we did look at were run down and... Uh, any decent one that we would find, the city planning and zoning would shut us down and say there's not enough parking spaces or no sprinkler systems or something. We even started talking about putting our houses up to buy uh, a location, but was given another test. I remember when we started those conversations, uh, I, um, I had a nice paying job. We were doing full-time uh, jobs and uh, this on top of it. And uh, we, we were starting to bust at the seams. We didn't know what to do, things, you know. And, and, and so our solution was we need to go buy a building. And while I was at work one day, God said, it's time for you to leave this job. I was like, well, that don't make sense. Like, how are we going to justify anything? Like, the church can't pay me an income, right? Like, how, I'm the breadwinner at the house. What am I going to do? And so me and Nick talked about it. and Me and Brittany talked about it. And she said, well, unfortunately, you got to leave. When your wife says it's okay, I'm not encouraging quitting your jobs, guys. Don't quit your jobs. But when your wife looks at you and says, yeah, I'd agree. It's time for you to go. And I'm like, Brittany, we can't pay the bills. And we're trying to find a building. And we might have to buy a building. And she's like, no. She said, I've known that you were supposed to leave that job a long time ago, right? So it didn't make sense to us two months later Nick decides to do the same thing without the finances without the budget to justify doing such a such a thing it made no sense we planned a leadership meeting to start considering two services at the Monday Center like that was that was what made sense to us at the time. Remember when Abraham had a son that wasn't the promised child because he was too old and just wasn't trusting God to provide? Well, this is where we were at in that moment. This was our moment. This was our mistake. We were trying to buy a building and figure out how to rate. We came up with uh, giving plans with the church. We had the whole church meet. And we was like, look, here's the deal. If everybody just give 100 bucks, that's 3,000 a month. Within this many months, we could then buy a building. Right? Like that was our plan. 
seemed to be our only option. Every door that we thought was going to be a possibility got slammed in our face. So we made a decision to trust anyways. We stayed the course. We remained faithful to the call, trusting his promise. We kept preaching the Bible. We trusted God, and we taught our folks to love God and love others. That's been our church growing strategy the whole time. You can't sell that, guys. Did you know that there's companies that are literally marketing themselves to growing church-growing strategies? How to get your church to 200 people. All you got to do is this, this, and this. And it's like, no, what, what happened to trusting God? Like, just let God provide. Oh, whoa, what? Nobody even knows what that means anymore. You're getting a little too crazy with all this, Roger, Right? Well, here's how crazy we are. May 7th, 2020, exactly three years later from our launch date at the Monday Center, we came to this facility and almost exactly 100 years later from when the Lafoe and his people stepped out in faith, we were given something no man could have ever dreamed up. This building. This whole entire city block. We need to retell the story, guys. It's like some of you are like, oh my gosh, I've heard this like four times. What's that mean? You know what that means? That means that you all are glory tellers as well. You're able to tell a story because you've experienced in God, God in such a way that many people haven't. Could you say that again, Roger? They gave you the building. They gave us the building. It's the truth. Right? Well, well, so how did, you, how did you make that? I didn't. I was trying to buy a building. Right? We too had a moment where we forgot who our banker was. We were looking at $300,000 buildings, and he gave us a $3.1 million building. And that's important because it pleased God to be glorified in doing so, right? Hebrews eleven six. without faith, that's this radical trusting and relying on the Father, it's impossible to please God since the one who draws near to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. See that? God wants you to trust him in things you might not be comfortable with trusting him in and may we never forget what deuteronomy 4 9 said what our eyes have seen so that it steers up the faith within us to be zealous for spreading the gospel who said he can't do the extraordinary with the ordinary now we've been reminded of what god has done for us what god has done for buena vista what God has done for Abraham and what he's continuing to do for us moving forward, what he will do. My question for you this morning is what will they say about you? What faith story will be shared as a result of you being willing to look stupid for God? It may be joining this church. I I don't know, right? How is it you will be remembered? What will they say in your eulogy? 
Which of you are willing to be glory tellers where you decide to look stupid to others, trusting a God who is alive to provide in some area of your life? Wayward child. Broken, struggling marriage. It don't have to be starting a church. Restoring friendship. Right? Listen, some of the people that you're praying for to become a Christian, some of the people that you lose sleep over because you're not sure where they are going on Judgment Day is because you're refusing to trust God yourself in some area of your own life and they're watching. Take the test, Matthew's table. Because the tests are coming. Let me tell you what my prayer for Matthew's table is now. It was all the way up to this point. It's like, Lord, give us a home. Give us a home. Raise people up. Make us, make us radically uh, seen in the community doing things for you. Lord, now my prayer is, Lord, make us a church full of glory tellers. Willing to look stupid for you. Willing to respond to the things that you've placed on our hearts. Y'all have seen needs that need to be met. You just, you're, you're, you're comfortable thinking somebody else might do it at this point. Help us understand that, listen, this is big. Help us understand that the conversations we've been having in private with a few of our friends or family are revelations of what you would and could do if you said yes to God. So I want to close this morning asking you to take your bulletin Everybody should have a bulletin. If you don't, get one when you go. You don't need a bulletin. You just need a piece of paper. This is, this is what I'm asking you guys to do. Write down your faith story for His glory. Write it out. This is how you do it. You put by faith and then maybe something in your life that you've already trusted God in a radical way. Like I could do, well, man, God provided in a radical way. Like we now own a home, right? Or it could be something that you're sensing that God's calling you to and you want to record it today so that you can look back in a year from now and you can testify how God had provided in such a right way that you even have it written down. Like, I can prove it, brother. Say something I'm making up. Look right here. On this day, I was I made a decision to trust God to do something that only God could do. Could be just forgiving someone jumping in in, uh, on God's activity uh, that's taking place around you. But even better, maybe that God is clearly speaking to you today to step out and believe in Him for the first time. And you can record that day now so you can glory tell about this day forever. Will you be a glory teller? Hey, thanks for joining us today. A special thanks to those who sow into this ministry. If you'd like to partner with us financially, text all one word, Matthew's Table, to 73256. That's Matthew's Table to 73256. It's because of you this ministry is possible. If you like what you've heard, click the subscribe button and share it with your friends. You never know what God can do through your one act of obedience. Have a great week. We'll see you next week. God bless.